to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. All right, welcome back to the Built on Air podcast. We are in season 14, episode seven. We are back from in live, at least four out of the five on the show were in live in person in San Francisco last week at the Dare Table conference. So if you did not check out our show, we did a live show um, during the event, we pulled on, how many people did we talk to, Camille and Ali? Probably I, I think we had about four, five rounds, and some of them were pairs. So, yeah. yeah. So a good 12, 13 people. Um, mm -hmm. And we could have gone longer, but the, the, the show was continuing on, so we had to cut it short. But there was lots of people we could have spoke to. There was, it was a great event. It was awesome to just be in person and and uh, geek out on Airtable. Any any comments on Daretable? Those that went, I loved it. Uh, I thought it was just so neat. Yeah, yeah. So uh, good times. Uh, then we went out and uh, chatted more over dinner. So it was a good two day event. And um, I believe they're going to Oslo, Norway next, and then in the fall, and then uh, New York next year. So feel free to get those on your calendar. <clears throat> okay, so let's uh, kick off the show. We've got some amazing guests with us today. We're going to be diving into the world of AI, ChatGPT, all the buzzwords you've been hearing about. We're going to figure out what that means for Airtable. So I'll go through what the show will be for today. We'll always uh, we'll start with our round the bases, get you up to date with what's going on, what's new in the world of Airtable, and then a spotlight on Antuer, our primary sponsor. Then we'll get some background on our two guests, Lorenzo and Bill, learn a little bit about them and, and what they're up to. And then we're going to dive deep into the world of um, AI, open it up for discussion. We might share some, some insights um, from our guests and... Uh, things that they've done. And hopefully the goal is to, to make you um, a little bit more prepared of the changing world of AI and how it might impact you in using Airtable or in your business and your, in your job, what it might be. So hopefully you uh, gain some insights that can help you be more effective. 
and then we'll give a shout out to how to join our community and then wrap it up. So with that, round the bases. Um, there's really only one thing I want to leave a lot of time for, for our panel discussion. Um, so as far as round the bases, it's been two weeks since last week we didn't do this. So prior to that, since the last time we've, we've been on this format for a show, Airtable had some pretty big um, product updates. So they announced um, their AI. Let's save the conversation. We'll talk about AI's launch in the AI discussion or Airtable's launch of, or, or announcement of their AI product. Um, we'll save that discussion, but let's talk about some of their other stuff. So let's see, besides AI, we've got um, pre-configured apps. So apps by Airtable. So that includes, so anybody want to give a summary of apps by Airtable? What do, what do they mean by that? Uh, I mean, it's really just a glorified template if I'm understanding everything correctly. It's just, it's a template that um, has interfaces all built into it and they've built in all sorts of different tools that they think you might need based on what industry you're in, like marketing um, or product, I think is the other, I can't quite recall what the- uh, Marketing, um... Yeah, they're mostly end product. Yeah. Um, interesting though. They also say that there's ten that they're re they've released, but they've only released two. Um, well, I think they're counting all of these subsets within oh, products. So okay, I yeah. I mean, so I'm not four, super excited about six, it. Yeah, six marketing ones and four product ones. So there's your ten. All within the same two template. <laughs> apps right yeah um so it's cool i mean they're just more built out templates really yeah yeah it's decidedly uh biased toward marketing yeah yeah <clears throat> i remember a day when a very large company biased themselves towards marketing i think it was salesforce wasn't it dan uh i would assume they're biased towards sales but maybe not yeah <laughs> then they branched into marketing yeah yep <clears throat> but yeah so it's basically yeah similar to like the 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 templates in the Airtable universe um this is kind of templates at the interface level yeah that's probably the easiest way so so they had to take away if you remember what a year ago year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, when did they take apps away from the extensions? And they had to pull that name back because they had these plans to to repurpose apps. So yeah. do you, do you get the sense that they're going to uh, expand this to beyond marketing to other like HR and yeah. other functions? Yeah. yeah. Okay. They said yeah. they were going to at the at the Dare Table conference 2023. Very good. Uh, they had this was the first opening um, panel, um, I guess, and they were talking about a lot of the recent announcements and announcements they were going to make in the future. One of them was apps by Airtable, and they are working on other, you know, branches of a company. It's just that marketing was like their biggest, I guess, out of all of the companies that they were talking to to try and figure out what should go in the templates. They're like, we got the biggest response from marketing, so we're starting with marketing. 
I wonder what percentage of um, customers, maybe new customers, um, dive in and start in something like this. Uh, because I know from my experience and watching other companies, there's only a one in three chance that they're going to pick a template. They might pick a template to learn by, but they'll never pick that template to run by. And so I'm just wondering what their analytics show for that. Yeah. I'd be interested to see. And then I guess my question is, is you still can't use these, right? Like I don't see a click, a link to install or test. Right. I think you have to sign up for like a wait, not a wait list, but like a, you have to contact them in some way. So they can do a demo of them maybe, but yeah, these are not yet usable templates by the masses. So. I wonder, it'll be curious if they if they expand the universe to also support interface templates where anybody could submit, that would be nice as well. Yeah, they did say something about automations as well. So I wonder if that will, um, you know, expand itself into regular templates and, and things in the universe. Because when you put something in the universe, automations don't come with it currently right right yeah yeah they definitely need to enhance that with all of this if, if these are shareable then i would imagine they would come with automations but um yeah so, so yeah you can kind of see the main thing the main difference is if you know this sidebar so we could jump to the the big announcement that just uh well it wasn't an announcement i don't believe but they've started to roll out the um, the uh, sidebar being collapsible. So Mecca is the first I um, saw it mentioned. He saw, he started seeing it this morning, and you can see there's a there's a GIF of it collapsing. So now that was a big. Um, if you go to the the post about the new features. It's just pages and pages of commentary, 12 pages of like the one thread in the comment in the community, the Airtable community that has any discussion. And it's mostly mostly very critical of the changes to the sidebar. It was a train wreck. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now it has 111 cars on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only train wreck that actually grows in length as it unfolds. <laughs> it, it, it was unfortunate. I mean, my takeaway to that is that 100% could be avoided. Yeah. And they found a way to not avoid it. <laughs> you, you have to work extra hard to get into this kind of a, a storm. It yeah. was frustrating. I'm glad that you can now collapse it. I think that was probably the number one complaint from people. I think my other complaint is like I created separate interfaces, like it sets of interface pages for a reason. And now they're all lumped together on the same menu on the left-hand sidebar with no control over what appears there or not. Right. Um, and that part is bothersome to me. Um, so hopefully we get a little bit more control over what pages actually appear. Um, I mean, it's almost like, um, you know, imagine you were making pottery and you shaped your pottery to be exactly the way 
you know, your art form and your customers appreciated. And then you came into the store one morning and all of your shapes were changed. <laughs> right. What, what would the pottery maker, how would they feel if that just magically happened? Yeah. And, and customers looked at it and went, I'm not buying that. Right. They just totally rejected it. But I mean, that, that is just complete insanity. And that's why I always say, if you're going to monkey with the UI or the UX, mm -hmm. you make sure that you have a way to be backward compatible. The world of tech believes that backward compatibility relates to data and only data. And that is a fundamental mistake to, to frame it that way. It mm -hmm. relates to backward compatibility of user experience. And if you don't do that, you end up with this kind of a train wreck. Yeah. That's what you said right here. Yeah. That, that is correct. I think that if I died tomorrow, that would be the one thing I hope people would remember. <laughs> Legacy UI behaviors cannot be underestimated. Every ounce of your success is predicated upon what happened before, mm -hmm. not what will happen next. Yeah. And, yeah. and they just totally like said, oh, screw that. We, we know better. And yeah. that, that hubris is, is what got them into deep trouble. I like, I do. One thing I like about like a thread like this is you get people out of the woodworks that aren't, you know, active on other communities. You're like, Oh, there's, there's a lot of other people out here using this tool. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and they have similar sentiments. Yep. Yep. It, it definitely pulls people in, <clears throat> but probably not for good reasons. <clears throat> So yeah, so the yeah, definitely lots. If if you have an hour to read through the commentary and and see the the pulse of the user base, this is a good thread to to get that pulse. Uh, the the one guy there, I think you're right on his message. Um, what is his name? Uh, Tobias. Tobias. Yeah. yeah, he. This message is kind of fun because he likened it to a relationship. Yeah. Um, and, and it it kind of it hit a nerve because you know we've all had those kinds of relationships in the past where we're like questioning should we keep going but um i thought he was really good in framing that narrative to help hopefully help airtable people understand yeah we're past the dating stage <laughs> and, and his jab at tim cook <laughs> I, I'm so surprised Scott hasn't. Been <laughs> <laughs> we can probably predict. In fact, if you took that message and put it into ChatGPT and said, well, "What would Scott say?" <laughs> you'd, probably, you'd probably get a really fun um, AI take on that. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. All right, a couple other um, announcements that they made. Um, so now they have uh, verified data, which is still. So basically what happened is there, there was a leadership conference uh, for Airtable in New York two weeks ago, and they had to make these announcements as part of that, but it sounds like these features were not yet ready. Um, so I don't believe I have access to some enterprise accounts and these are still not available. Um, so they had to announce it to get it out there, but it sounds like development's not quite ready for some of these. The sidebar did go live. 
I think it's, you have to opt in. I'm in an enterprise environment and we have all of these. Okay. You do. Okay. So you've got to, you've got to ask for it. So if you scroll down a little bit, Dan, on this page, a little bit further, right there in in italics, verified data is available on enterprise plans. Okay. Okay. But that is not the case for me either. I have an enterprise account and I don't see anything about it. I wonder where you have it. We've had it before it was made available, you know, enterprise wide. So I think that's why we have it, but all of the features that are talked about are implemented. So I'm wondering like this is for new enterprise customers and old people have to uh opt in. That'd be weird. We should say that if that's the case. Right? Yeah. I'm looking. I know. So the other feature is the two way sync. That that's been in beta for a while. I know that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've opted into that one with some clients, um, but I haven't seen the verified data opt-in. Me either. Two ways think I am excited about. I think, and I haven't tested this because during the beta, it was not, you couldn't edit synced fields from an interface, but it appears that with the full-fledged version now you can. I haven't tested this, but if that's possible, that's super exciting. There's still some limitations to it. Like you can't, um, adding records is still uh, restricted from the sync down base. Uh, but uh, so far, I think it's been pretty, it's, it's a market improvement. And I don't know if it, they counted as a separate feature, but the syncs are now more or less instantaneous instead of being, um, you know, you have to wait a couple of minutes. So that's nice. Yeah, that's nice too. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, this one, this one, I definitely want to start playing with. Um, let's see how this plays out. Yeah, even on this article, I don't see any link topped in. So, anyway, yeah, if you're, uh, so yeah, these are coming at the enterprise level only for now. They did say at Daretable that eventually they plan to make these available or either make them available at the pro plan or they're they're trying to figure out how to allow you to get access to these without having to jump up to the enterprise or making enterprise you know more accessible um so those are some of the things that they're working on we have a couple of comments from sorry go ahead i was gonna say we have a couple of comments from chat uh kavan says isn't sync uh, instant sync available for everyone, not just enterprise. I believe it is. Um, Brian Kinney says, I feel there's a necessary transition for Airtable to transform from a new and shiny tool to a mature and stable platform. Uh, no, not clear that Airtable leadership agrees with me. Um, I think probably all, all of us agree with you, Brian. I think they should focus on stability. They say that they are, uh, but they make certain decisions that make it seem like they're trying to be shiny. Mm-hmm. How would you know what Airtable agrees with at all? Right. Well, you'd have to, you know, when they they speak, you know, if when. you take the the words that they say at face value, um, then yeah, sometimes that they um, they'll say they're working on things like increasing the amount of records that you could have in a base. I would call that working on stability. Things like instant sync, which they have now implemented. That's working on stability, but then there's things like 
um, you know, apps by Airtable, which is not necessarily anything to do with stability. It's more about adding some features or, you know, ease and convenience. That's a different sort of concern, not necessarily a bad concern in general, but like at, at some point, you know, the users that are already using Airtable are going to be looking more for like, I want to know that my automations aren't going to fail. I want to know that I can continue to add records without having to do a workaround. And those are going to be con their concerns, not necessarily whether or not their navigation is horizontal or vertical. Yeah. I get the sense that they're, they're making this entire enterprise versus non-enterprise um, division uh, more com complicated than it needs to be. I mean, they're basically saying, we're going to divide up the features to delineate the difference between enterprise and non-enterprise. Whereas another um, approach is to say, we're going to uh, limit the capabilities and give everyone all features. Now, before you go crazy on that, um, I do understand that there's a number of features that no one except enterprise would ever want. So, set, but setting those aside vastly, everybody wants every feature. So why not give everybody every feature and simply constrain on a different metric? Um, one that is on the accommodation metric, you're accommodating people to use all features at certain, certain levels. That to me, architecturally would be a lot simpler and you wouldn't have all these people just complaining constantly about, oh, well, you know, I gotta, I gotta pay three grand just to get this one little feature I need. And that's just silliness. Yeah. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree guys? that. Uh, I think there's, to your point, Bill, there's only like a handful of features that only enterprise would want. Like single sign on, like a bakery shop that right. runs their business off of Airtable is probably not going to need single sign on. Correct. That's just my opinion. And yeah. even like verified data sets, it, you're probably not going to have so many bases that you're going to yeah. need a verified data set, whereas right. an enterprise customer might. But, you know, there are some single operator businesses that need just a whole bunch of records or a whole bunch of automation ones. And right. it, it's weird that they have to be in the same class as like Disney to get that feature. Correct. Correct. Yeah. That, I mean, that's my point. They are making life harder for themselves because under the covers, the code required to do all of this, the way they're doing it, it's massively complex. And that is probably breed a new breeding ground for these kinds of missteps, uh, the likes of which we just saw. So I'm yeah. puzzled. I, I have no idea why they would use, um, draw the lines through their product the way they did in order to segregate the two worlds of enterprise and non-enterprise. Yeah. I do see, uh, speaking of verified data, I do see that as well in my enterprise instances. Oh, you do? Nice. Yeah. The sections there, it's empty. You just have to create a data set first, and then you'll see them. Gotcha. Okay. So it's rolling out. So yeah, so lots of new lots of new products, uh, especially if you're at the enterprise um, play with. We'll start to uh, showcase those as they roll out. We'll do some, some feature segments on those in future shows. If we can, it's tougher to show enterprise. That's another downfall of putting it behind the enterprise. Those aren't as easy to show here. 
A couple of comments before we move on. Uh, Brian says, on the other side of accommodation, I look at something like Jira, which is very configurable and complain that it is too complicated. Um, Jen says, it's the empty box that is both enticing and overwhelming. So they try to put together the Legos in some order to get people to jump in, but the needs evolve. Mm -hmm. Imagine you went into a movie theater and you bought a ticket and then you decided to buy popcorn and maybe a Coke. And of course you paid exorbitant prices. We won't get into the economics behind that. But then there was another ticket that allowed you to have hot dogs, right? No one would tolerate that because everybody wants different things. You want the full menu and you're willing to pay more, uh, but you'll do it um, you know, for that accommodating level. It just seems odd that they would slice it up that way. Anyway, that's, yeah. I'm puzzled. Maybe somebody can tell me why I shouldn't be. Yeah, lots of decision makers on that. But old All people right. are puzzled often, so. Yep. Okay, let's, let's move on. Um, got a lot to talk about before we do. Quick shout out to OnToAir, our primary sponsor. It's an all-in-one toolkit to run your business on Airtable. It's a suite of apps that help a business do more with their Airtable environment. So if you are running your business on Airtable, you need to check out ontoair.com. For today's highlights, just a quick shout out to our forms. Um, one of the features that, that is available in Ontoair forms is the ability to have multi-tiered selections. So if you think of a car, um, trying to choose a, a car, you start with your make. Um, so this is a linked record that shows you all of the selections in the makes. So there's a table of car uh, manufacturers. So if you pick the one that you want, you can then go down to the model and now you can select from your model. And this is only going to show you uh, models from the Ford selection. So this automatically filters um, what models you can select based off of that parent selection. And then once you select that, then this third one will only show you cars available that um, are with that model. So this one does not have any. Find one that does. Mm -mm -mm. I believe a Mustang. I think there's Mustangs. So this checks the inventory and it finds an actual car that's a Mustang. So now we have three le levels of um, parent-child relationships and filtering your selection based off of those. So nice feature that's available in OntoAir forms. Check it out at OntoAir.com. All right. Okay, we're going to do some uh, background on Lee, Lorenzo and Bill. Let's start with Lorenzo. I know you were on the show a year ago, I believe. So we'll, that one, we did a full hour talking with uh, Lorenzo and had some cool stuff to share. But give us an update. Give us some background on you and, and what you're up to. Sure. Um, it was a while ago, but um, Lorenzo, founder at Lodic Digital, uh, we are a development agency that focuses on Airtable integrations and, well, Airtable and Make integrations mainly. So mainly we deal with customers who have large-scale 
Airtable integrations and they need to connect their Airtable to any number of platforms, whether it's QuickBooks, Dropbox, DocuSign, Google, Google Stack, Microsoft Stack. So we kind of focus on the integrations between Airtable and third-party platforms. Um, more recently, with the rise of AI, we've we have done a lot in terms of integrating Airtable bases to um, technologies like image generation and technologies like OpenAI. So lots of stuff around ChatGPT and whether it's generating content or editing content or uh, mining databases for semantic search. Um, we've done a lot in that domain. So um, heavy focus on that, but in general, um, in our domain, we get a lot of a lot of that. So companies will come and they'll say, hey, we want to integrate our existing solution with this next gen platform or stuff. Um, sometimes it's not Airtable customers as well. So uh, we have a lot of customers that use Make and maybe another third party system that they use. And in some cases we will integrate Airtable um, as, a, as a database to kind of help the integration. And sometimes it's just no Airtable and just integration between point to point solutions. So um, that is a quick intro on me and kind of what our company's been up to lately. Awesome. You're based in uh, Minneapolis? Minneapolis. Minneapolis. We have some team members. Most of our, our team is in the U.S. Uh, we do have some some team members over in Europe as well. Great. So they can find you LodicDigital.com? LodicDigital.com. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Lorenzo. Yeah, and you presented last week at Daretable on a lot of what you just talked about, your AI integrations with Make. I did, an AI solution. So maybe we'll get into that later. We'll see. Yep. And I'll give you a shout out. You didn't mention this, but uh, you were you were selected as the OEM partner of the year with Make, I believe. I uh, yes, yeah. We won two awards with with uh, Make this last year and two years ago. Um, part I think OEM and enterprise. So we do a lot of OEM um, support and integration work with Make. Awesome. Well done. Very cool. All right. Let's move back to, okay, Bill. You've yes. been on the show at least twice that I remember, maybe more. I think. So good, good to have you back. Give us, give us your quick story. Uh, backstory is very short. I'd rather leave the time for more important things. Um, but, you know, I started in the 80s in computing. Uh, I guess the best way to describe what happened between then and now is I'm semi-retired. I'm an old guy in the desert, um, enjoying being an old guy because I don't have to filter anything. Uh, <laughs> so my job, I see my job really now is stirring, stirring the mud um, and, and then trying to reflect upon, you know, where we came from. So you know, in the 80s, I worked with NASA and developed a kind of a cool little technology that moved data from space shuttle computers to desktops. Desktops were new. Nobody understood them, but even IBM couldn't get them to go faster than 19,200 bits per second, which, by the way, is a crawl. 
we figured out how to do that six times that. And because of that, we ended up with a contract with NASA. Now that technology eventually became LapLink, which is a crazy idea. Laptops eventually needed to communicate with desktops. And so we made a killing in that market from 84 till roughly 89. <clears throat> and so I kind of have a strong sense of where we've been, where the industry has kind of made mistakes, where they've had successes. And that kind of shines in some of the commentary that I cast about. So, you know, what do I do now? Uh, I'm trying to help the guys at Cyberlander uh, make an invisible camper for the future of electrification. And I'm dabbling in AI. I spend a lot of time in AI. People compel me to do stuff at a consulting level from time to time. Um, but I'm very cautious about taking projects because, you know, I, I'm a specialist um, through and through. I don't build Airtable bases. In fact, most of the people on this call and everybody in the community can run circles around me when it comes to Airtable questions. But at the end of the day, there's certain fringe of those that need, you know, really deep um, consideration when it comes to real-time data, very secure data, findability. I specialize in findability. And I spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, some of the stupid things we do with databases and how to avoid them, um, how to simplify. So I'm always looking for parts that need to be ejected, need to be eliminated from a process so that simplicity reigns and uh, systems are uh, much more um, reliant, right? I mean, that that's the key. Most of us want to go to the beach. We're always hacking on our keyboards at 9 p.m. on Friday, Um and the reason we are is because we're not thinking ahead to eliminating parts, elim eliminating steps, simplifying workflows and automations and things like that. So I spend a lot of time thinking about that. And I love to look for irony. There's plenty of it at Airtable, of course. So <laughs> that, that's me in a nutshell. That's you know, <laughs> if you're looking for an unvarnished kind of truth about the world, um, I'll give you one. It's not always accurate. I try to get it accurate. But it's always in, in kind of a flux too, you know. So you, you take you take what you can uh, yeah. from my between my ears, and some some of it applies. Um, probably batting three twenty two. I don't know, <laughs> which means I'm failing. Uh, what is it? Six eighty eight. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, if anybody who's been, spent any time on any of the communities likely knows your name, knows your, uh, I think you've been using ChatGPT for several years to write your essays. I don't yeah. know how you spit out so much content in the short amount of time that, that uh, we have in the day, but you, you uh, have produced volumes and volumes of insights. Yeah, and, and somebody asked me the other day, they said, are you using AI to generate all this crap? And, um, and, and of course, they were affectionately calling it crap. But at the end of the day, the answer is no. Everything I write, I write myself. Um, I've just kind of been that way. I'm an old guy, so I'm probably going to do that, you know, until I die. But I'm kind of reluctant to allow AI to write things for me unless it is to help me understand something so that I can write it better. Um, but that's kind of, you know, uh, a personal thing. I think there's a lot of people that are doing really well leveraging their time even better than I do. Yeah, fair enough. Awesome. Thank you, Bill. Good to have you back on. Let's uh, move on. 
Okay, so now for the remainder of the time, we're gonna dive into the future of AI. Man, has it changed in the last year. Um, so why don't we start with, with Airtable. Um, so Airtable is part of their announcements, launched a new landing page and have some screenshots around how they're going to implement AI, at least initially. Um, anybody want to give a summary of what Airtable is planning to do? Lorenzo, you go first. <laughs> you kind of know this better than I do. Um, well, I think it's right on their, on their website. I kind of dabbled in viewing the features and it looks like at first glance, you're able to generate generate content. So one of them is like pictures. So it can look at pictures in your database and, and generate descriptions. Um, now it will be interesting. So when you come from developing these solutions, you have all this extra metadata that you can apply to it, like which model it's using, um, what the tone is, how accurate it is, how creative it is. So it'll be interesting to see with these tools, how much they kind of black box that and what they give you as far as like what you're able to do with it. Cause that's kind of how people are using AI now is we're using all that, right? So when we're generating content, we're saying in advance, hey, answer this question in context of this, or I'm gonna feed you a description of my business. And then now that I've done that, and you know that the furniture is for children and it's you know supposed to use whatever from the environment and it's it's eco-friendly or whatever now write my descriptions i don't know how much of that's going to be in here so how much how generic it is but maybe if you are using a lot of ai right now this is probably less exciting than if you've never touched it then maybe it'll be like wow i can generate you know descriptions from images and stuff so it's kind of It'll be interesting to see how underwhelming or overwhelming it is for their user base. So yeah. I, just, I just see a lot of like image generation, product descriptions. There is one where it's like, it wasn't really clear if you scroll down, I think there's like a section where you can generate like the AI field. Yeah. Yeah, that was my understanding is there's gonna be like a new field type that's like an AI field type that will like auto generate with content. I don't think they, I don't think they're announcing images. I think like these images is, I think um, is just, is for product description is what they said. But one thing I would say is like, don't take these, these screenshots as, as what it's gonna look like. Um, like, I don't think they're coming out with a slider field. I think, you know, they, they take some liberty with these marketing uh, gifts of what it could potentially do, but I don't think this is what it's going to look like. Ironically, um, these marketing gifts look like something that ChatGPT would come up with. Yeah, maybe. maybe. That's the irony here, right? <laughs> There's a lot of creative license in these and yeah. uh, we've seen it time and time again. Yeah. And so it, it's going to be bizarre, I think. Yeah. Well, it looks like it's the configuration panel before you get to a field. So I think it's more 
yeah. like a dialogue that pops up and they've had, you know, there's certain things that exist in current dialogues that aren't like field types. You'll only see them in, in these sort of pop-ups. So like, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a, a slider. I just don't think it's, you know, like the right. one that goes from general to expert. I don't know if that needs to be a slider. The first one that was like the number of words, that makes sense. This one doesn't make sense. General to expert, make it a... Why? Yeah, and I have kind Strange. of a problem with number of words. Um, I don't think users give a crap about the number of words, nor do, nor do they even well, think. Sometimes, you don't, but... sometimes you do, but if you if you have a listing, for instance, on a certain like platform, um, okay. you're limited. Do you have a cap? So I think it, in some instances, it might be good to say, do not go over 500 words or something like that. Right. Uh, the, the issue here, though, is I think that that they're trying to give you a means to control AI costs. And that's very different than the output. So you may want the AI process to factor in many more words than you actually produce. And that is not apparent in their dialogue. Eventually it will be apparent because it's a requirement. Um, there are cases where you only want to generate five keywords, comma separated, nothing more no other information. How do you configure that? And by the way, the AI field, I think that they're referring to in here is exactly what Firebase launched uh, a few months ago. So Firebase has these new fields that you can declare as AI fields. They're not different in any other regard, except you're declaring any events occurring to that field is now going to do something to another field or the same field. And I think that's kind of where they're hinting here. I've always been a, you know, an advocate of no more data types. You know, they're they're making up data types, just as the button was a made up data type, um, a formula field was a made up data type. Those are fields that really shouldn't be fields. They're attributes of fields, not fields themselves. And I think the AI um, field is also another misstep architecturally in, in the long run. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, we'll see. I think it's still yeah early because um, this also implies that like the type of AI fields, like if they really implement it this way, like it's going to be predefined, like the parameters that would go mm -hmm. into it is based yeah. off of similar to like their drop down of naming. It's going to be a predefined list instead of yep. customizable. So right. I hope they don't do that because that will. Oh, it's a nightmare. <laughs> That's exactly why it should not be a field. Um, fields should react to AI, not be AI. That's yeah. my opinion on that. Yeah. It, yeah, It's a slippery slope, and they're stepping right on it. Isn't that almost the same thing, though? So if I have a new field and kind of like a lookup field, I create an AI field, and so I'm selecting the field I want in context of, right? So there's one that's like something about tweet like generate a tweet. So you're going to have to select the field kind of like a lookup. I want to generate a tweet. I don't think it's going to be specific like sales rep. I think you're going to select the field that you want to generate content and then you're going to set these parameters and then this new field is going to display it. Kind of like maybe. A Let's hope. Uh, I, think, I think that's an appropriate way to go. Um, it's but not in the context of something. It's, it's yeah. like a lookup. Yeah. Right. Unless like, if you go off of this, this looks like it's like predefined what the parameters are once you select 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it could get ugly if they go this route. Yeah. I um, just hope it doesn't slow down the bases. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you think about like a base with like, you know, 8,000 records and then you create this new AI field, right? And it's got to go and like generate, it, you know, all this content. They, well, they yeah, that's totally a good that. point. Like what triggers an AI field? Yeah. Lookups are easy. Rollups are easy. It's whenever the original data changes, it recalculates what the new sum total is or whatever. Um, formulas are easy. Whenever the input changes, it recalculates. So we have to point the AI field at something, right? right. It has to generate whatever it is in formal voice with the, you know, level of expertise or whatever at something. Does it regenerate every time that something changes or is it you know, you trigger it manually. That it doesn't seem clear from these screenshots when it pulls AI to do stuff. We've all had the experience of uh, con conversing with support and the support call ends with, well, you have too many formula fields. And uh, I predict in 2024, those conversations will end with, well, you have too many AI fields. Yeah. Just a matter of time. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a bad idea, you know, to just say, no, this is a broad kind of experience. And hopefully they'll, you know, they'll, they'll get the message soon. Yeah. But, um, it, it could get really crazy uh, because every one of these has a cost, right? Mm -hmm. And if they're using, uh, you know, open AI, it has a bigger cost than say with Google. Yeah. Let's, uh, Let's transition. So yeah, lots of unknowns with Airtable and the direction they actually go in. Um, so we'll see. They're saying summer is when we'll we'll see something along these lines. Uh, there's a sign up to get on the waiting list. So I'm on the waiting list. We'll see when that any news comes from that. But uh, let's transition. Let's talk bigger picture, AI in general, trends, what the future is. Um, Let's open up for discussion. If if you've got something to share, uh, Bill, why don't we start with you? If you've got, uh, what do you think? Give us give us your high level view of where we're at and what what to expect in the next two to three years. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think um, AI in the world of data. I'm just speaking broadly, of course. Um, AI in the world of data is going to lean very quickly. Um, you know, into, um, hopefully I can share here. Am I sharing? Now you are. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when we think of AI in the future, I, my feeling is that automation is going to play a big role. And so you guys have probably all seen the, you know, auto GPT. It's, it's really getting a lot of traction. Um, people seem to love it and I can understand why, um, I think it's overhyped, um, you know, their valuation at a billion, 1.7 billion or whatever it is, is just amazing to me because they actually have a lot of flaws in their design and their architecture. But what they do have right is the idea that you could, um, you could set a goal and an initial task and the, and the system auto GPT will automatically go and execute toward meeting that objective. And so how does it do that? Well, it does it by simply using itself 
to, you know, it's like the snake eating its own tail. It starts off by saying, what's your objective and what's the initial task? And from that initial task, are there other tasks that we can follow in order to reach the main objective? Now that involves a lot of, you know, kind of complicated code under the covers, but I built one in one day in Airtable. And, um, and I actually, uh, this is kind of a, hopefully you can see this. Maybe I can make it larger. I guess I can't. Yeah. Well, if you, yeah, it'd be great if you could zoom in, but, oh, yay. There you go. That, yeah, that a little better? Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so and I'm going to move the script aside here because really all we want to do is focus on the objective. Uh, and, and in this case, I, I said something very broad and I said, okay, you know, um, auto AI, I call this auto palm because it uses the Google uh, LLMs, not the GPT LLMs or open AI. And I, I said, let's give it two things. We want to become an expert in Airtable and we're going to learn all about Airtable in the process of becoming uh, that expert. And so we had defined that as the initial task. Now, if you thought about trying to become an expert in Airtable, what tasks would make sense? And so under the covers, this system is designed to go and do that. And rather than take a bunch of time to show you how it all runs, this is the output of that. And so it has created, what do we got here? Um, 13 pages, PDF, um, how to become an Airtable expert. And it goes through and it divides this into all the logical tasks that wouldn't be necessary for you to pull that off. And it does a fairly good job of writing the prose. It does a fairly good job of understanding the various elements of Airtable. And it does a fairly good job of learning how to use uh, Airtable formulas. Um, it fails miserably at this list. Um, I'm not going to get into, uh, we can go through here and cherry pick for hours on end, but that's not the point. The point is I have a template for learning how to become an expert in Airtable. And I got it in one minute and I got it by doing um, only one thing, identify an objective and then um, give it an initial task. Now, these two sentences are critical, right? Because you're basically setting the tone for the AI automatron, if you will, to go off and do the job. And it will literally fire off based on this and it will run dozens, sometimes hundreds of inquiries into the LLM to get the right text. Now, one of the challenges, of course, is you don't want that process to stray. And so how do I avoid letting it stray? And the answer is embeddings. So every time this system generates a particular result to a task, I take and then reevaluate that in information. I establish, I break it into parts and then I set embeddings for each of the paragraphs. And then I test the embeddings to see if they're on the compass heading of the goal. So that's yet another layer of iteration that's going on behind the scenes. Can you, can you put more context around embeddings? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so an embedding is a way to take like this paragraph right here and send it over to, um, in this case, Palm, uh, and say, give me the vector for that clump of text in the LLM. And then you take the goal 
and the initial task, you concatenate those two and do the same. You're saying, give me the vector for that particular clump of text inside the LLM. And what that comes back with is an array. The vector is an array. It's a very large array. It's about 1500 um, you know, array values. And those two values can then be compared mathematically using cosine or and some kind of um, you know, similarity differentiator, uh, such as dot product. You can then compare those and then try to understand how close are those two concepts? And if they're, are, are they far apart or are they near? Are they, you know, is it on the compass heading that I hope to achieve with my goal? And if it's not on the compass heading, repeat the process and continue to improve the process based on the fact that I want to get that um, cosine similarity to close, you know, the gap to close. You want them to be very similar in terms of the compass heading of the goal versus the compass heading of the text that the AI is generating. Um, so it largely gets reduced to kind of a mathematical dance, if you will. It's an orchestration of math using embeddings, which have nothing to do with going into chat GPT and typing something and getting an answer back. Although under the covers, it's using word vectors to try to understand what it should say, given what you tell it. Uh, this goes another level. And I think this is where automation is going to take AI for the benefit of, of customers. Um, and so I, that's why I was really disappointed when I saw the Airtable announcement. They're not doing stuff like this. They're doing something that's very uh, superficial. Uh, it's a veneer. It's a check mark for Wall Street, check mark for Gartner. And I've been very vocal about that. I think that they totally blew it. Um, they could have done something that was, was much more powerful. And I think this is, is one example. So I got a question for you. Um, do you think, so they didn't do anything like this, but from the context of history of crawl, walk, run, right? Yep. Even if we, NASA is building rocket ships, you usually start with a car, right? Or something more simple in context to get people warmed up to it. Yeah. Do you feel that that's a, a bad strategy though? You know, because we're in, you know, we're, we're more, yeah. we touch AI a lot more than the common user who has no context of what it is. So an sure. average Airtable user might be blown away by the fact that they have this AI field that they can configure and then it'll create a tweet for them. That, that would be- Yeah, there's, there's no doubt um, that there's great benefit in what they're proposing. I think we can all agree that every company that has integrated AI in some fashion has improved the lives of users um, almost invariably. Um, Coda though has also kind of blown it and I've let them know in no uncertain words. <laughs> but but at, at the end of the day, um, this is a company that needs to sustain its edge in the marketplace. And they, along with many others are doing the exact same thing that the others are. So they're not building a moat. They're not building any moat with regard to AI and I think that's the part that they really, they really uh, blew on the, on that. They could have, um, with just a tiny bit more work. I mean, I built this in a day, this uh, auto palm, one day with script. How but hard have you error tested? Have have I error tested? No, but 
I'm just Aha. a clueless guy. So it would take two days, Bill. I'm a clueless guy out in the wilderness who kind of got it right in one day. So you're telling me that an entire team with $1.6 billion in funding, right? They've raised $1.6 billion in cash. They couldn't get it a heck of a lot more right than I would over the next six months? Uh, I don't know. I, I think they could. And I think these are these are well within reach. Um, the, can I just ask them, so yeah. what database are you using to store these embeddings? Or is it in memory? Or how are you doing that part? I store them right in Airtable. Okay, in a different table? Um, no, in fact, the, the same the same table. Uh, it depends on where the embedding needs to be. Um, most all of that embedding work for this AutoPalm process is in memory. We just manage it all in memory as okay, the process memory. goes. Got it. Yeah, so there's, yeah. there's really no need uh, in that particular use case to do that. Now, in the case of survey responses, um, where we, you know, run a script uh, and... You know, I'll just run one of these examples. So what's going on here is that embeddings are used to try to figure out, um, you know, what percentage of customers own an RV in this data set. So there's not 250 responses or something like that. But at the end of the day, you really want to use embeddings in this case to understand, well, how near and far are these various um, categories of information? And then you know, deduce uh, a percentage of people who actually um, own an RV within that data set. Uh, that kind of goes back to that one post I think I made um, many months ago. Suddenly your Airtable records can have meaning. Um, this is what I meant by meaning. The meaning is based on, on embeddings. But in these cases, the embeddings are literally stored uh, within the uh, Airtable database. Yeah, we had... a. Um... During Daretable, um, a gentleman displayed, he had kind of a similar, well, he had like an Airtable embedding semantic search he was doing. Yeah. Um, now, he stored all of his in memory, but he did get issues with like larger databases. Like it worked great with smaller ones, but once your database gets larger, you can't run stuff in script. Like he's he was getting issues um, with memory of pulling all, you know, I think it was like he was limited to maybe two or 3,000 records, but definitely um, it starts to break down if you have like really large databases. Um, so I think that's- Right, you have to pick, um, you have to pick your, you know, your poison on mm -hmm. vector data storage because they are quite dense. And then you have to also pick your comparative process because you're not really searching for a vector, you're searching for the high score of two vectors compared. And that has to be done in line with an iterative process, which means you really got to know your hash indexes really well. Otherwise, the performance is just going to be shit. And so um, Airtable is not ideal as a vector database store. There's no question about that. Can it be used for certain cases, maybe rollups and small data sets? Absolutely. Uh, should vectors be stored in Airtable? Absolutely not in every case. There's so many cases where you need to go to Pinecone or some of the other you know, vector uh, solutions that are designed specifically for that activity. Um, so anyway, it, it, yeah, it, it can be done and it can be done well. I mean, uh, this little example, which by the way, I think is up on you know, 
uh, table forums somewhere. And I think I exposed the underlying code that helps helps me achieve uh, this particular kind of chat environment with a data set. That's very, very difficult, by the way, because you can't send a bazillion records over to uh, ChatGPT and get answers. Yeah, exactly. You, right? in, your, in your auto palm tab or when you're first running through your iterative process, right? And you're yep. generating like task two or task three against yep. your main objective. Yeah. Um, have you played with the idea of chat GPT validating a specific task against, or well, the language model itself evaluating against the task versus like a vector database as far as like contextually. So like if you have a nuance of, of that initial task, learn the basics of Airtable as person X or person Y, how well does that vector store compare versus like just using the language model itself to say, hey, here's this first task, is this in line with this, display the output in a certain format? Well, I mean, that's exactly what happens first, right? We take this task and we submit it to the LLM and say, what do you think, right? Mm -hmm. And the LLM comes back with a body of text and maybe some tips, right? Some other things that you should be doing. And so you already know what the LLM thinks about that task. You're not saying, LLM, give me all of the tasks related to the goal in one swipe. It's a separate swipe. It's a separate swipe at the LLM every time. And so that gives us the ability then to dissect each one of these thoughts and create a word vector or a vector um, point and then compare the vector point with the entire body or the title or the goal plus the instruction. So that's already already happening here and it doesn't need a database to do that because remember all of this thinking and inferencing is all done in line in memory all at the same time which uh, it's pretty amazing I, i'm not sure that airtable is up to the challenge of doing this in large volume but certainly google uh app script is or google cloud platform you know we say google app script thing you know it's just a toy javascript language it's not, it's, it's, you know, it's GCP and it's GCP running on some very, very significant hardware. So yeah. uh, it, it's also important to note that while you can't take a large data table and send it over to uh, chat GPT and get answers about it, like straight away, you can with, um, with Bard and, uh, and Palm. Mm. Uh, there is no ceiling on what you send to those, uh, to those models. Um, I think there's a practical ceiling in there somewhere, but it's probably like 50K or maybe 100K, which is pretty high. And I think very soon Google will raise that to probably, you know, it, it's probably going to be one megabyte, maybe five megabytes. We don't know. And, and that will change, you know, the nature of saying, I've got data. Give me some answers. Right. Right now, you have to aggregate before you can go get answers to your data. That, that seems yeah. to be yeah, I got you. And, and I think some of this would be, you know, architecturally would be harder to for Airtable themselves to implement. And it's very specific use cases, right? Airtable is more like, hey, we're Legos. You build on top of it what you want. Airtable doesn't really have too much outside of templates, contextual 
features that are specific to one industry or the next. And I think that's where it would be hard for them to build a moat around specific use cases because then they got to they got to co-sign the results and we know the results are pretty wild right now yeah. use cases. So then it's like, Hey, I'm paying for this feature. But then when I execute the feature, the output doesn't match anything I can use professionally. I think that's, that's where there's still trepidation around deeper integrations. Yeah, de- definitely. There, there's a, a rough edge to all of this and it's not going to get smoothed for quite some time unless you're, your developers of your app are concerned about the smoothness. Um, that's one of the areas that I am uh, very concerned. I think it makes a lot of sense for developers to really have a hands-on approach to getting these you know, things dialed in in a way that's going to be successful. And once again, embeddings come to the rescue because once you generate something, you can use that as a backstop to say, is this accurate? Right. We, you know, given other things that we know are accurate, how close is it to that accuracy? So embeddings can actually be used to to identify areas of your AI that are off the rails. Um, It's no different than saying, let's use statistical measures to understand if somebody isn't cooking the books. Those are the same things that kind of go on day after day. Uh, By the way, this little example, which I also put a link to, is very simple. It's basically doing, I think, what Airtable has already announced. And that's why I said, I think, in one of the writings I wrote, why are you waiting? Just get started. You know, find somebody that can help you with a little bit of script. And before you know it, you know, you're able to say, yeah, give me a company name. Now summarize the company. Find out how many employees there are. Tell me the market cap for the company. I mean, those are very rudimentary, very simple, and they're easily validated, too. So, I think AI is here. You don't have to wait for your table. Yeah, that's awesome. We're up. We're up against the hour, Lorenzo. I want to make sure you get a chance. Anything you want to add to this discussion? Uh, no. I I think um, you know, with AI, you could talk for hours, right? Uh, on, yeah. <laughs> on on any little nuance. So I think that's a good discussion. I think in the next few years, I do think we will have a a separation. I believe that companies that learn how to adopt it, learn how to integrate it, teams and tools and use it every day will be really far ahead than the companies who don't adopt it, right? Similar to the people who decide they don't need a website or they don't need, you know, a smartphone or a computer. Um, I think the knowledge and the, um, the skill and the ability of the individual person that uses AI to augment their existing knowledge, I think will be far ahead, you know? And I think people on the fringes of like, like no code movements and, and whatnot, I think it'll be a challenge for people like that to up their skills, right? Um, you know, where AI will replace some things that they do, but it will introduce new opportunities for them to do things they couldn't do before at faster pace, um, but they have to be up to the challenge, right? So it's like the farmer that's there and then the tractor rolls through and it's like, oh my goodness, well, you gotta learn how to drive a tractor, right? If, if you decide you don't want to, or it's too advanced, you will be left behind, <laughs> you know, in a, in a way because- Farming's a really good one too, to think <laughs> about. It, in the 19th century, almost everybody farmed. Yeah. And in this, 
uh, in the, the current century, almost nobody farms. Are we all standing around without jobs? No, <laughs> we're no. not. Right. You know, farming, farming completely obliterated an industry, you know, automated farming, and the same will happen for information. We will mm -hmm. not be standing around without jobs because of AI. Yeah, but the, the other thing is Right. The people who learn how to drive the tractors and do that are going to be, you know, they're going to be able to be more efficient. They're going to be able to grow food faster. So I think it's the same thing. But I think you can't be scared to, to learn code and script and some of these newer concepts. I think thinking that you're going to be in this world of no code, I, I, I think you're going to have to. And Airtable is a great tool for that because it does introduce concepts of scripting easier than most. So I think people are going to, you're going to want to step your game up for sure a, a little bit. That would be my advice because three years from now, it'll be a different world. Yeah. Almost three months from now. <laughs> three, <laughs> years, three months. Very fast. Bill can't wait three years. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be dead. Let's get on with it. <laughs> we'll make it happen faster. Bill. Awesome. Very good. Thank you. This is an awesome discussion. We need to do this again, maybe in three months. We'll plan on that and see if Bill's correct, if it's all changed. We'll see what's changed. 90 yep. days. Yep. Awesome. 90 days. We'll have a whole new list of bullet points to talk about. Yep. Yep. Very good. Thank you both for coming on for the, for the insight. Thanks. And uh, always good to have you on. We'll have you back. We'll see Thanks. everybody next week. Bye. Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor, ontair.com, and we will see you next time on the Built on Air podcast.